Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and our proud sponsor, Patrick O'Neill. This is show number 126, released on June 24th, 2015. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hey, Steve. What's happening? Oh, not too much. Uh, just struggling through a bit of a uh, cold at the moment, so I must apologise if my voice sounds a bit croaky or if I splutter or cough uh, during the podcast. I'll try not to. Well, you're clearly you're clearly ruining the whole thing for everyone. Yeah, well, I know. It's winter here, so, uh, you know, these, the, it's the season. They, these, these, those viruses and the germs and things going around, and we're all cooped up in our you know, houses just trying to keep uh, warm and... Uh, we create this kind of environment, but uh, I guess you don't want to hear about that in your nice summer weather over there. Well, you know, it's been a little muggy today, but uh, it actually has, hasn't gotten too hot. It's been a little bit of rain and some cool air, and I prefer it cooler anyway, so okay. uh, not as cold up. as where you are, I suppose. <laughs> well, winters aren't here aren't too bad. I guess I'm uh, complaining uh, for nothing when you compare to people who get snow and sleet and all that kind of stuff. We don't have any of that here, so it's not that cold. But uh, relative to what we're used to, um, I guess it's cold enough. All right. Well, let's get into stuff, shall we? Yes, uh, we shall. Now, uh, it's been, it doesn't seem that long since we did our last podcast. Uh, the last Wednesday of June seems to come around pretty quick compared to uh, April's, uh, May, sorry, May's uh, Wednesday. So it only seems like, what, three weeks or something rather than the usual four or five weeks sometimes for longer months. But uh, we have a few topics that we need to get through. And as always, we start with movie news. And uh, we've got a very exciting revelation this past month. And that was finally a plot description for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Yeah, you know, the official plot description that was released really didn't tell us all that much and kind of just gave us what I think we already knew, you know, they're going to fight each other, and then they're going to find out that there's a greater threat. Uh, it didn't really seem to give us too much in regard to spoiler information or actual plot info, as opposed, you know, any further than what we think we already kind of gathered anyway. Yeah, now this plot description came about uh, through a press release from Warner Brothers Consumer Products, uh, who unveiled the Batmobile and select costumes from the movie at the Las Vegas Licensing Expo uh, this past month. And as part of that press release, as I said, the following plot description was included, and it reads, Fearing the actions of a godlike superhero left unchecked, Gotham City's own formidable, forceful vigilante takes on Metropolis's most revered modern-day saviour while the world wrestles with what sort of hero it really needs. And with Batman and Superman at war with one another, a new threat quickly arises putting mankind in greater danger than it's ever known before. Dun, dun, dun. As you say, nothing really earth-shattering there. We know that they're going to be up against one another and that there is going to be a, a um, you know, confrontation. And obviously with Lex Luthor involved, there's going to be some kind of threat, uh, a new threat outside of Batman and Superman's fighting that will uh, hopefully and most likely bring the two together to fight a common threat. Yeah, what's most interesting about that to me, and I spoke of this a little bit on uh, Great Scott when the the release came out, and that is that it seems like Batman's 
decision to fight with Superman or pick a fight with Superman or cause Superman to want to fight him or however it works out stems from him fearing what might happen if a superpowered alien isn't a good guy. Um, so it almost seems like he's kind of saying, well, just in case he one day maybe isn't a good guy, I'm going to fight him now. Let's test him out. It doesn't really seem like there's an actual, you know, at least based in that description, you know, fearing that an unchecked superpowered being uh, leads him to uh, confront the Man of Steel or whatever. So uh, not only does that seem kind of foolhardy from point of view of uh, who, you know, a human being in a bat suit going up against a superpowered unchecked being... Um, but it also seems like it's a, a little bit rash in terms of not really giving, any, giving, giving, giving someone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's right. Uh, unless uh, there's, you know, he's um, forced into it or shown some kind of false information or the information is stacked against Superman in a certain way and presented to Batman. Or Batman's, uh, as we've seen, Bruce Wayne has been... Um, directly involved in some of the destruction maybe he feels he needs to take it upon himself to see just what is going on there but um there you know like i say it doesn't reveal too much it doesn't give us too much information it kind of sets up what we already thought we knew um and i guess that's what you want from a plot description you don't really want it to give away any spoiler information as to uh how it works out or what happens or what is the result you just know the premise of where it's where it's coming from. Yeah, and what I do like about this, at least from my point of view, where it seems like it's going is, you know, with these posters that were released, that uh, not really posters, but I guess uh, art of some kind that mm-hmm. apparently hasn't been officially released, but they have a picture of Batman and a picture of Superman, and they have. Uh, it seems like Superman's being painted as a bad guy in his poster, whereas. Batman seems to be being painted as the hero, mm. and even on Superman's poster, it says the Dark Knight is our hero, or whatever, or it has a picture of the bat, and it says is our hero, and uh, Superman's mouth is covered, and people are putting false god. And we saw some of that stuff in the trailer, but it looks to me like, you mentioned before, it reminded me of this, that maybe Batman is being made to believe by whatever forces are at work creating this false advertising for Superman, or at least this fear-mongered advertising. And it looks to me, and it, it seems to me, you know, when you hear Jesse Eisenberg say things like, uh, this isn't a silly Lex, this is a, this is a driven Lex, this is a, a very uh, deeply thought Lex, a very um, a serious kind of situation Lex, and much different from what we've seen with Gene Hackman. And of course we've always talked about how manipulative Lex can be and how powerful he can be with driving forces outside him to do the kinds of things he wants them to do. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, uh, Lex has always hated Superman, whatever the reason is in, in whatever incarnation you're looking at. It almost seems to me that that's where we're going to go with this. And that is that Lex is driving all of these forces together and, and creating this hate mongering campaign uh, by being very logical and outspoken and seeming like he's very reasonable, but we know as fans that he always has an underlying kind of a thing. And uh, not that I'm getting this from the plot description, but 
that I like the fact that we're going to see a very dangerous Lex, but in a much different way, if I'm right, than what we've seen before. And, and that is great because I think that Lex Luthor really hasn't come out in any medium other than maybe some of the animated series as a real dangerous foe for Superman. You know, I've talked to non-fans who say, if Superman's so great, then why is some good bald guy with no powers his arch enemy? Mm. I mean, he's just a guy. Why, why, you know, but to see him possibly being the one who's causing this more of this hatred toward him or helping to keep people from trusting him and bringing down his image and, and that sort of thing, that... That is where I hope they're going, obviously, with Lex. And, mm. um, yeah, that would be great. I think that's a, a great way to play Lex. And Eisenberg, as you said, has mentioned uh, you know, that Lex won't be a silly villainous character uh, in some interviews that he's done lately. Uh, he's also lately confirmed that he will be at Comic-Con. Uh, we do know that Warner Brothers are taking Batman v Superman to Comic-Con uh, next month, or July, to promote the film. We're expecting some kind of big announcements or big showings or something... Uh, huge because uh, we won't get another Comic-Con before the movie is released next year in March. So we're expecting big things from the presentation that Warner Brothers are scheduled to do at Hall H on the Saturday of the Comic-Con uh, in San Diego, which takes place July 8th to July 12th. Uh, so uh, looking for big things there. He says he'll be there for the full hour on the stage. Uh, they go in, they go out, they go pretty quickly, these kinds of things. But uh, if he's there, then we can only imagine that uh, other major cast members will also be there. Yeah, I think it's cool. I wish I could go to these some of these things, but uh, someday perhaps I will go. This would probably be a good year, but uh, not looking like I'm going to make it unless Warner Brothers wants to send us some plane tickets and hotel tickets and uh, get us into the <laughs> and event. Comic Con tickets, yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's neat that he'll be there, and I like some of the things he's saying. I've heard some negative things in terms of people saying he seems like he comes off a bit negatively in the interviews or that he's flippant or that he's sarcastic. Uh, I think he's kind of just that type of a personality. Maybe that's his humor. You know, he's, he's being uh, cynical, that sort of dry, yes, uh, as you say, uh, dry uh, uh, humor that sometimes falls off certain people. You don't some people don't get that type of humor or look at it as being very negative. I get that a lot in my own life. People tell me I'm, I often come across as being very negative as opposed to well, the way I feel. My humor is self-deprecating and sarcastic, and sometimes that can read the wrong way to people. Mm. I think that what might be going on in some of these interviews with, uh, with Jesse. Uh, but uh, that he'll be there is cool, and as you say, we should see some other people there as well. Yeah, and... Uh uh, Lewis James uh, from the Superman homepage who covers uh, Comic-Con for us for a number of years now will be in attendance. Uh, he will be covering uh, lots of different things for us across comics, uh, TV, and obviously the Warner Brothers uh, Batman v Superman panel at Hall H there uh, at Comic-Con. So uh, stay tuned for details about that. We'll be doing live Twitter updates and all that kind of thing from within the room itself. So uh, very exciting news there. And further Batman v Superman news, we of course had the possible spoilers regarding uh, the characters of Flash and Aquaman kind of come out online. Yeah, uh, we, uh, the Heroic Hollywood, uh, Elma Imbe, who used to be with Latino Review, has been posting uh, a lot of different uh, spoilers and possible 
things for Batman v Superman in the last month. And one of those was a bit of detail of what uh, he says his sources tell him about Aquaman and The Flash and their involvement in Batman v Superman. Obviously, we know they're making cameo appearances. I mean, we know uh, Jason Momoa and um, what's the other fellow's name? Ezra Miller uh, are cast in the roles. And we know that Batman, uh, Aquaman will make an appearance in Batman v Superman thanks to Zack Snyder posting an image of what Jason Momoa looks like in the film, uh, but we don't know what, how big their role is, uh, what capacity they'll, ha- you know, you know they'll be in the film. Uh, but uh, El Mayumbe, re- you know, has some possible details there about uh, their, you know, that the Flash stops a robbery, uh, is uh, the Aquaman is held prisoner in a containment chamber, uh, all these different things, ideas about what might be happening with their characters in this movie and how they'll be introduced. Very short little snippets, you know, Mm. um, Batman supposedly seeing some footage of the Flash uh, stopping this robbery and also uh, seeing that Aquaman's being held in some sort of a containment unit and, uh, you know, he slaps his hand against the glass uh, or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's all that they do in the film. We may see more from them or... uh, I guess it's possible that these rumors aren't true at all. Very, very possible. So, we, I mean, as with all rumors, we take them with a grain of salt. We won't have any official confirmation on any of that, I guess, until uh, we actually see the film itself or any uh, footage from trailers and things like that, which I doubt would have any Aquaman or Flash in them because, obviously, they're only a very minor part of the movie. But, um, you know, those rumors are out there, and I guess the uh, the proof will be in the actual, um, you know, watching of the film. That's right. I can't wait. Okay, uh, beyond Batman v Superman, because that's really all we have this past month about the film. There are, you know, other tidbits here and there, but nothing nothing really juicy to sink our teeth into. Uh, We move beyond the live-action films and look at some of the animated stuff that's coming out from Warner Brothers. And the upcoming animated movie called Justice League Gods and Monsters has had three online prequel episodes called Justice League Gods and Monsters Chronicles, which are basically three episodes that introduce these versions of Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman uh, in this particular alternate universe where they are very different to the uh, Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman that we know uh, in the the usual Justice League um, characters. Uh, what did you make of these three episodes released by Cinema Online this past month? Well, when we first started talking about this, I remember both you and I were a little dubious as to why they were creating this original movie that did not take place in any normal continuity or represent the characters of Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman in a way that we as fans would really recognize. And we were kind of saying it seems kind of weird to make them you know, I know people like dark heroes and they like evil versions and alternate versions. And, you know, it's evidenced by Smallville having about 10 or 12 episodes where people act in ways that they don't normally act or where it's Clark, but he's a little bit more bizarre or <laughs> something along those lines, you know. And so we were kind of wondering why they decided to do it. I was pleasantly surprised by these three shorts because my. My what I had originally thought about this movie was that it was going to be an evil Justice League, and maybe it still will be. Maybe this was just the start of showing them kind of going down that path. I'm not 
I'm not certain, but neither, uh, none of the three heroes in these shorts seemed like they were bad guys. Mm. They did seem a little more uh, violent. They did seem a little more willing to do what needed to be done in a kind of permanent way than what we're used to from our big three. Uh, But I did think that they were, I mean, they were fighting villains. They were fighting bad guys. So it's not like they were going out there and, and, and hurting the regular people or, for, or, or forcing their will like the Dark Lords from uh, the Justice League cartoon upon mm-hmm. the world or something like that. It, yep. it did still seem like they were trying to help. Uh, my favorite was the Superman one, and uh, many people would say that's because I'm a little biased, but it really wasn't any Superman that I'm that any of us are used to seeing. So it wasn't... It was almost like a different hero altogether, but what I liked about it as opposed to the Batman and the Wonder Woman was I felt like the Wonder Woman and Batman ones were really just a prolonged fight where two characters were fighting each other. And in the Wonder Woman one, there was a few more characters, but they were all fighting. It was really just an action sequence, whereas the Superman one uh, seemed a lot deeper. It seemed like it had a lot more feel to it, a lot more emotion to it, and a lot more uh, to think about. Yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised by them as well. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, as you say, they seem more heroic than what we were expecting. They, their actual character descriptions sound uh, or read as if they were, you know, ones Batman needs to be, a, you know, needs to drink blood and is more of a vampire, and Superman is the son of Zod. So you know, you just you have all these preconceived notions about what that means for these characters. Yet uh, the way they played out, especially the Superman one. Uh, was heroic in a sense, but as you say, a darker edge, because the you know the more permanent solutions that they come up with um, to the the problem, the, uh, the Superman Brainiac interaction, the way Brainiac's portrayed, the way Superman's portrayed, it really kind of throws everything on its head, uh, turns everything on its head, makes it uh, a different a dynamic between the you know what we're used to seeing in a Superman versus Brainiac fight. Now what? Uh, what concerns me, and and uh, you know, it's just a it's just a seventy two minute movie or whatever. I probably shouldn't be concerned by it, but what I'm thinking is that uh, this could go one of two ways. This could be the types of characters that they are, and that they're still heroes, but they're just a little bit more decisive in terms of uh, using sometimes violent solutions. I mean, Wonder Woman uh, puts her sword through the chest of several of those soldiers uh, in the room, uh, thereby killing them. I assume, unless they're super powered and she knows they're going to heal up but uh, it doesn't seem that way mm. uh, Superman does what he has to do and of course after Batman defeats Harley Quinn we see him uh, uh, attack her as a, as a vampire would so I wonder if these are supposed to be lead-ins to what makes them start to go down that darker path that they finally have to make that decision to kill and so then they get a taste for it or they decide that that's the more permanent solution that they want to go with more often. Or if that's just the way they have been and they're still uh, heroic but in a different way than, than, than the ones that we're used to. So mm. it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, it definitely would be, will be interesting to see how that goes and how they come together and what's the, the, you know, the, the reasoning behind uh, their, this Justice League being formed. But uh, Justice League Gods and Monsters uh, will be released on July 28th. So we're looking at the calendar quickly. That's probably... Uh, 
just on when we're releasing our next podcast. So we probably won't be speaking about it next month unless somehow we get a, an advanced uh, view of it. But uh, the, probably the, the month after that, you and I will be speaking about Justice League Gods and Monsters, the animated movie, as I said, released on July 28th, uh, Blu-ray and DVD. You can order it through the Superman homepage online store. And uh, we look forward to, to seeing that now that we've seen these three prequel uh, online episodes. And there will be a second season of these online episodes, but they won't be out until next year. Well, you know, uh, right along with our Comic-Con tickets and our hotel tickets <laughs> and our flight tickets, WB can send us a copy and, and we'll be glad to talk about it next yeah. uh, podcast. 100%. Uh, but looking away elsewhere in other animated movies, we have the upcoming, uh, another Lego animated movie, Justice League Attack of the Legion of Doom. Uh, this one, I don't know if we spoke about this last month at all, but... Uh, uh, I like these animated movies, the Lego versions. Oh, we talked about it a little bit. Um, they're they're definitely more family-friendly. They're a little on the silly side. The characters act a little goofy, and, of course, sometimes they come apart at the seams, as Legos are often wont to do, I guess. Mm. Now, this one uh, says, Fans can rejoice as Warner Brothers Home Entertainment uh, released their next animated feature, Lego DC Comics Superheroes Justice League Attack of the Legion of Doom. Such a long title, uh, so we'll just call it Attack of the Legion of Doom. It will be released on August 25th on Blu-ray, DVD, and other, obviously, HD, digital HD, uh, combo packs, etc. Uh, the press release was sent out on May 29th, which obviously was after our uh, previous podcast, and so all the details are there with some uh, images and covers and uh, I think a trailer as well. So check that all out on the Superman homepage dated May 29th if you haven't already. And uh, we look forward to being able to talk about that once it's released later in August. I like that it's called Justice League and that it's not like Batman Lego 5 yeah, or whatever they're right. up to now. No, I agree totally. Uh, I think that's a good move away from, uh, for obvious reasons as a Superman fans. Um, yeah, while Batman was the first Lego character to get his own animated stuff and own game and what have you, it's good to see that they're branched out and that they're calling it Justice League, uh, not a Batman iteration of, of, you know, obviously it started from the Batman story, but they moved on from there. But don't worry, Batman fans, I'm sure there'll be a 5 and a 6 and a 7 and a 4 <laughs> well, or wherever they ended, you know. Lego, Bat Lego Batman's getting his own animated movie, so uh, they can't be disappointed at all. Not at I all. I think that's going out to the cinema even, like as theatres, you know, not just video releases. Right. So a lot to look forward to there uh, for Lego fans, uh, Batman, Superman or otherwise. All right, let's uh, leave movie news behind and move into the world of TV news where uh, Supergirl is obviously the hot property for us to talk about. And uh, we now know through a press release from CBS that Supergirl's pilot will premiere on October 26th and will then move into its Monday night 8pm time slot uh, the following week. It's a very late premiere. Uh, I'm not sure if it said anything about why. Um, maybe they're trying to avoid the uh, baseball hype. Um, Fox often does that because Fox has the World Series on their network. But uh, I don't generally I don't notice the other networks trying to avoid it. But uh, maybe it gets good ratings, and they're they're just trying to stay away from any kind of a competition like that. I'm not certain. But um, I have heard some things, and I don't know if you have read them or, or know anything about it as well. I, 
you know, you read all kinds of things on Facebook and there's all kinds of articles going around, but I, I, I didn't even read the article, so I'm not even sure why they would say it, but something about uh, CBS positioning Supergirl to fail, um, I'm not sure <laughs> what that means. I don't know if, if it was just, just an article you know, reiterating that it was going to be on against Gotham or against Monday Night Football or or, or what it was. But uh, I didn't know if you had seen anything to that. Yeah, no, I hadn't read anything along those lines. And I, I think that it would be ridiculous of a studio who's invested money in something like a new series and like Supergirl, which is obviously not going to be a cheap series to make with special effects and everything that are involved, uh, setting it up to fail. Um there's been a lot of positive buzz from what I've seen uh, with, the, with the first extended trailer and then the leaked pilot, which, as you and I know, uh, took place and we spoke about that. So, and, so all I've seen is very positive buzz surrounding the Supergirl TV series. Um, I find it hard to believe that CBS would set it up to fail when this is their first foray, foray into the superhero um, genre. Uh, I think that that would be you know very much about making it succeed and so um i'm i'm kind of surprised at that kind of talk yeah i mean maybe maybe it was something like not not obviously not purposeful but maybe by its time slot or maybe you know where it was going to premiere or the fact that they released the pilot or uh, something you know maybe people are speculating that it was cbs that released it or uh, who knows? I didn't read it. Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up. I was just wondering if there had been any other talk of that or if someone had, uh, if, you, if possibly you had seen it or if, uh, if someone else knew what it was. You know, I often don't click on links that I see. I just happen to see it and then not get back to it, but uh, was wondering yeah, I, what it was I, all about. I find it interesting. I mean, there's a whole science behind, you know, release dates and, uh, you, know, premier and you know, premieres and time slots and um, you know, there are people behind the scenes who, you know, have the rhyme and reason behind why these things happen at the studios. Uh, so it's not a, you know, I, from a fan's point of view, it's very easy to criticise or, you know, from the outside look in and say, oh, that's not going to work, you know, because my Monday nights are really busy watching the football or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I'm sure CBS are looking at demographics and looking at, um, you know, what age groups and, uh, you know, uh, the sexes and, and all these different things that you know would make Supergirl um, work in that time slot, rather than what fans think is you know just not going to fit into their schedule. All right, and I'll be watching it anyway, even if I'm doing something else on a Monday. I easily can DVR it. So that's the thing these days too, with DVRs concerned. and you know all that kind of stuff. You know, really, how many of us actually sit down, unless you're going to be looking at a live tweet that's happening at the same time, which this is another thing that happens these days, and probably the, the best way of, of studios making their, you know, having some kind of an interactive thing happening at the time that a show is airing. Uh, a lot of fans, and a lot of people that I know, uh, you know, record or DVR or whatever the, the terminology you want to use, uh, to later watch a show back at a time that suits them because it either clashes with something they're watching, they're out at the time, they don't have the time, you know, they want to forward through the commercials, whatever it might be. A lot of people are just watching shows when it suits them thanks to the technology that's available to us today. I love the way we get to watch TV now. And, it, you know, uh, it really, when I hear people say, well, I work that day or whatever, you know, growing up, I always thought it was weird because I always had a VCR. And yeah. If a show was on, I would record it and, and watch it later. But uh, now, 
there are less and less excuses other than I just don't watch TV. And that's really all that anyone can really say. I still hear it. Oh, yeah, I'm never home on Tuesdays. But you don't have to be home on Tuesdays. You, right. you know, so many ways you can watch TV now. It's, uh, it's crazy. What did you make of the uh, two-minute trailer that they recut and released? Yeah, that was uh, something that kind of leaked online a little bit earlier, and then it was removed. Uh, but now uh, the trailer has been... I think it's exactly, exactly the same trailer. Uh, it was released by the Canada uh, TV station known as Global, uh, who obviously is going to be the network that's going to be showing it in Canada uh, from CBS. And uh, they have uh, a two-minute trailer that shows a little bit of footage that wasn't seen in that extended trailer that was released, the six-minute one, by CBS. Uh, a little bit more of the action, bit of, a bit more of Supergirl's powers, especially I think the heat vision uh, is shown in that two-minute trailer that it's not shown in the extended trailer. And uh, it kind of gives the show a different feel that the extended trailer does. Even though we've both seen the pilot now, I find it interesting how different trailers can portray a movie or a TV show in a different way just by the scenes that they select and the way it's cut together. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I sometimes wonder if... You know, I don't think they're unduly influenced by what people online say, but I sometimes wonder if they hear things like the male demographic complaining that it was too goofy or too silly or that the Callista Flockhart character was too whatever and and then recut it to show more of the action and more of the powers and more of the superheroing so that so that they can kind of quell those fears. And, and hopefully not lose the people who thought the other things about the other trailer. While at the same time, whatever demographic they were trying to appeal to with those things still saw those things, so they are still appealed. And I wonder if that has anything to do with it or if they play into the idea that people were saying, well, I really like the action and I really like the plane sequence and I really like their flying around, but uh, some of that stuff at the... At, at, at Cat Co. or whatever was a little too much for me or whatever and then they kind of cut all that out and, and just put in action stuff and, and show the powers and uh, to give you, as you say, that whole different feel. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it's an interesting uh, uh, science, I guess, behind the way trailers are put together and uh, whether or not the network uh, looks at some of the responses from that. I, I'm sure they do because it would be interesting from their point of view uh, you know, what kind of promotions what kind of flavouring for their uh, shows that uh, they need to, that are working and that the audience responds to. And so, um, you know, there is definitely, you know, different trailers that work for different demographics. Uh, I remember one of the most interesting uh, different type of trailers, I guess, I saw was for Gladiator, the Russell Crowe movie. Uh, different trailers for that portrayed the movie. as One portrayed it as a real violent fighting movie. Another portrayed it as a romantic Thing between him and his, you know, the, the relationship with him and his wife and his son, and uh, yeah, there were just different ways that they promoted that film, different trailers that really made you think different, totally differently about the film depending on which trailer you saw. Trying to get everybody interested, I guess, the yeah. different types, the different sexes, the different demographics, the different ages. Uh, you, you go many different ways with uh, all of the different advertising campaigns that you use. I also have noticed that there are little TV uh, clips online. They're very short. They're not mm -hmm. two minutes. They're not online, but I mean on television. I can't even remember. I don't even think it was CBS because I don't think I watch anything on CBS. It was another network 
somewhere else that, you know, obviously not one of the uh, four prime networks, the big ones, but uh, maybe one that's owned by CBS, I don't know, somewhere. But I saw these little girl, super girls, girl power, like these little things oh. that came about and then had her standing there with her cape flowing and the S behind her, which is interesting to see on TV. I, I actually... You know, as I say, I watch everything on DVR, and normally I just fast-forward through commercials, but I rewound when I saw it each time because it was exciting to see. And uh, speaking about Comic-Con, as we were earlier, Warner Brothers Television has announced that they are headed to San Diego to promote Supergirl and some of their other TV shows. They've got something like 18 shows they'll be promoting at Comic-Con 2015, and Supergirl will obviously be one of the main ones. And uh, the cast and crew, I'm guessing, are also headed to Comic-Con to promote that. Uh, the Supergirl, uh, let me have a, having a look here at the schedule. July 8th, Water Brothers Television will continue their annual preview night uh, with exclusive world premiere screenings of four pilot episodes, including Supergirl. That'll take place in Ballroom 20. And then on July 11th, the Saturday night, uh, Water Brothers Television and DC Entertainment will present a nearly three-hour special event in Hall H, featuring the pilot, full pilot screening of Supergirl, along with panels, special surprises, and moments inside the worlds of uh, some of their other DC property television shows and uh, new digital, digital series, Vixen. So a lot to look forward to at Comic-Con this year if you're a DC Comics superhero fan. Very cool. I also heard, and I'm not sure that it's been... Um you know, officialized or not, but that uh, Hawkgirl, who will be appearing in the Legends of Tomorrow show on the CW, is supposedly going to be going straight to uh, full series order cool. on its own. Very so cool. So that's another interesting thing if you're a DC Comics fan that uh, could be very cool. To. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move into our comic book discussions. And before we get into talking about individual comic books, uh, there was, uh, well, there is a... Um, I guess, I don't know, a flyer or a piece of paper, or a promotional uh, thing that's being handed out at comic book, book stores, the select comic book stores, so you, you might not see it. Uh, you might get lucky and actually uh, see this um, article uh, of Lois Lane. It's a reprint or reproduction, a Daily Planet Extra, dated June 17th. That's being circulated, as I said, at various comic book stores, revealing Lois Lane's complete article which is titled Superman's Secret Identity Revealed, in which she tells the world that Clark Kent and Superman are one and the same. It's obviously the crux of what's behind this truth arc, what's happening currently in the Superman uh, titles. That includes Batman, Superman, and Superman Wonder Woman, where Superman has been outed as being Clark Kent, and Clark Kent has been outed as being Superman, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, and we saw kind of a, it's in the, one of the panels of the comic books, that this Daily Planet article by Lois Lane is, is shown, but the full, um, actual complete article is uh, now available. We posted the text from that online on the website dated June 18th. A lot of uh, dissatisfaction, not just at this story and this and the way Lois Lane has been used, but at the way this article has been written and passed off as being a you know, top journalist's uh, story and, you know, that she doesn't say things like, uh, she doesn't try to quote Clark Kent or, you know, says that he was unavailable for, um, for a response. She doesn't say how he was outed or who outed him or how it all came about or what the sources were, what the, you know, what the, the evidence is behind it. It's kind of a poorly written piece for what is supposed to be a 
you know, world-class journalist. Now listen, uh, she saw that he had a black eye, and uh, <laughs> Superman had been hit there previously, so well, there say you that go. in the article. She doesn't say that in the article at all. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Uh, and even if she did, um, I think Perry would say, so wait, let me get this straight, Lois. You saw Superman get hit in the eye, and then you saw Clark a few days later with a bruise over the same eye where Superman was hit, and that is what you are claiming is your proof. And suddenly the article wouldn't get produced. Lois would be all upset. But Perry, you know, but uh, it wouldn't matter because she doesn't have anything substantiated. And uh, there's no way that Perry would allow her to run the article. It's also very short. Um, but I think from the point of view of marketing, I think the DC Comics company, outside of the story is just trying to build up hype for this yeah. and the idea that someone will see it and say, oh, you know, everyone's going to find out who Superman is. That's cool. Maybe I'll read this. But you're right, and some of the comments on the webpage are also right in that it doesn't really read like an actual writer wrote it. And it's weird because you would think that guys who are planning this whole thing and who are writers and who are writing this whole thing would have maybe written it in such a way so that we weren't able to say it doesn't look like a writer wrote this. <laughs> it sounds like you have a Costello routine. But, it does. Um, yeah, well, you know, if as a comic book writer you're not up on how a journalist would write or what might go in, but you're still going to be using this as a promotional piece. I mean, DC Comics, Warner Brothers, uh, they're affiliated with uh, USA Today. Um, you know, they have connections with real media with real writers get someone who's a a, a writer who's a journalist to to mock up a, a fake article by Lois Lane I'm sure they would have loved to have done something like that uh, it just seems sloppy I know it's a marketing tool and it's only supposed to be handed out at a number of places and probably wouldn't get seen that much but in this day and age where online these kind of things make news uh, put a bit more effort into it I agree but uh, anyway, it's on, up there, as I said, June 18th, if you want to check out the news item on the Superman homepage. Uh, if you're not lucky enough to get one of these uh, Daily Planet extras handed to you at your local comic book store, if you still go to your local comic book store rather than buying online then, uh, or digitally, then uh, the website has the article, the scan uh, in full that you can check out, or as I said, the text version of it uh, printed there on the website itself. All right, let's go into the actual comic books that we're about to discuss. Uh, this past month, we saw the return after Convergence to the regular issues of our favourite titles. And Action Comics number one is the first one we're going to be talking about. And that supposedly, it says the truth arc begins here. But what's frustrating about this is that the truth arc actually doesn't begin in Action Comics number 41 or Batman Superman number 21. It actually begins in Superman number 21, uh, sorry, Superman 41, 41, which hasn't gone on sale yet as you're reading those particular issues that I've just mentioned. It's very, very frustrating. And I don't know if it's going to continue where it left off, but I read Batman Superman annual number two, where at the end he's laying on the ground bleeding because he's been stabbed by the woman who was hanging out with the guy who was killed by Bane because of Clark Kent, ostensibly. 
and he it ends and it says to be continued in June when Convergence ends. So I go to Batman Superman number twenty one because that's the next Batman Superman story, thinking that I'm going to see Clark laying there in the jungle bleeding, and uh, instead I see what they give us. And then I go, okay, well, maybe it's an action, and I read that, and it's not there either. And then, okay, well, maybe it's in Superman Wonder Woman, and it's not there either. And and I assume that 41 Superman, which hasn't come out yet, is going to be where they continue that story, but I don't know if that's the case either. Yeah, it seems strange that Superman number 41 is supposed to be the beginning or the, the issue that they're all referring to, yet it's the last one to come out in June. We've had, as you said, Action Comics number 41, Batman number Super, Superman number 21, and Superman Wonder Woman number 18, which are all part of the Truth arc, yet Superman number 41, which doesn't come out until June 24th, uh, <laughs> is the one that is the, one, the, the, the beginning of it, I guess. I just don't understand the publishing schedule. And, of course, this episode is going to come out on the day that that book comes out. So it's going to sound like, why didn't we read it if it comes out on the day that we, we're recording this a few days early so that we can get it out to you so Steve can do everything he needs to do so you can hear it. So you will probably have read this book that we are complaining hasn't appeared yet by the time you hear this episode. But you probably felt the same way that we do when <laughs> exactly. you read these other books before that book came out. Now, looking at the actual story of Action Other Comics... Other Abbott and Costello. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who came first? What episode came second? <laughs> um, Action Comics number 41, the actual story, uh, we see you know, the ramifications of Superman being outed as Clark Kent, and you know, um, his powers are on the fritz. He hasn't got his full power set yet. He's still strong, strong stronger than a normal person, but he doesn't have the ability to fly... Uh, he doesn't have super speed, doesn't have all these kind of things, but he's still stronger than normal. And he's got the shreds of his cape, which are obviously um, uh, stronger material because they're Kryptonian material, I guess, that uh, he wraps around his knuckles. Um, but other than that, he's bought this motorcycle. He had the confrontation with the guys. He sold, the motor the, sold him the motorcycle when they realized who he was. He thinks the whole world's against him. Then he heads back to his old street in Metropolis, where his apartment is. And lo and behold, there's a, like a celebration going on of the fact that Superman lived amongst them and his street is actually such a welcoming place for him to return to with Jimmy Olsen there and his landlady and everybody else who were there that just loved the fact that he lived in their street. Yeah, I, I, uh, I feel a little bit embarrassed that when I turned that page digitally, of course, I got a little teary at mm -hmm. You know, the, the the announcement that everybody was there to celebrate and stand with Superman, as it says, we mm -hmm. stand with Superman on the page. Uh, that the comic could affect me in that way is good. Um, so I guess uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously there's the militaries or the police uh, reaction to Superman and that, you know, they've got orders about not protecting him and not helping him or, you know, and there's obviously two factions, you know, two sides of every story, as there always is, where there are these people who love the fact that Superman is Clark Kent or whatever, and they don't care, they, you know, their street was better for it. And then on the other hand, there are these people who go, well, he lied to us, and we, you know, uh, he's, you know he, he's not to be trusted, and therefore we're not going to help him. Yeah, for what reason did he... A need to go undercover as a reporter at a newspaper and, 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 you know, the idea that I think it comes out a little bit in the fake article that was written 
that Lois supposedly wrote that, that we, you know, did he did he work for a newspaper because he was trying to get hidden information from other people? Was he trying to spy on us? Uh, the negative side, the people that no longer trust him because of it feel that way. While mm. while you you see the positive side and the obvious side is that he clearly made the world a better place and was doing good things for people and was saving people's lives. And it almost doesn't matter. And maybe sometimes everybody's every bit of business isn't everybody else's business. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mind Action Comics uh, as a title. I, I like uh, Greg Pak's writing and uh, I like the artwork and I think that he's got a better uh, um, grip on what makes Superman and what makes Clark Kent who he is and gets into the, um, the character elements of the story really well um, where, you know... The premise I don't like so much, the whole idea that this is permanent, you know, Clark Kent's been outed, what it means. It's an interesting story to see how it fits, and, you know, but they really opened a can of worms that they can't really put the lid back on anymore unless yeah, they Yeah, I have no reset. idea how they're so. going to get out of this. I, I don't, um, you know, you would think with all the conversion stuff and multiple universes and things like that that somehow all that stuff would tie in and it would all come out in the wash in the end, but that's over and that's Mm. finished. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not really sure how they're going to fix this. I am certain that there is a reason behind what Lois Lane did. You know, in one of the books she says, I told Diana to tell you, or she told me, and there's a reason and we had to do it. And uh, so a lot of people are upset because Lois Lane is kind of a betrayer in that she's the one who, supposedly released his identity and then you see pages in one of the books where Lois kind of gets pissed at him because he's still a little upset about it and she seems to be all haughty toddy but then you go well you're the one who did this so I don't know what you expect but obviously well I don't know if it's obvious but there's a lot of secrecy going on and there's a lot of uh, lines of dialogue where Lois says you know why we did it Diana knows why we did it and it had to be done that clearly we as fans are going to find out throughout the story why it happened, mm. how it happened, and for what reason it happened. And I don't think it's going to be, well, Lois just wanted to be a, a betrayer and uh, wanted to, you know, I was going to say something else, but this is a family show. But I don't think that's going to be, at the end of the story, we're going to go, yep, uh, Lois is one of those. I just don't think that's what it's going to be. I mean, I think that there's a reason that and you may not like the reason or you may not like the story or you may not like what happens here, but clearly there's something else going on and there's a reason why it's taking place. Well, we hope so anyway. Uh, so let's move on to Batman Superman number 21. And in this, we see uh, Superman confront the new Batman, which this robot rabbit eared <laughs> creation. That's not actually Bruce Wayne. Uh, we find out, that it's um, Commissioner Gordon in the Batsuit. He obviously does have a massive mistrust of Superman uh, in light of what's happened. Uh, Superman goes to the Batcave to confront Alfred and find out what's going on, and he's not sure whether Alfred's just uh, really grieving that Bruce Wayne is dead or whether, being an actor that he once was, uh, he's just covering up uh, really well for what you know where Bruce really is. And um, Superman... Uh, Lo and behold, gets another motorcycle in this issue, uh, gets, <laughs> takes, the, takes the bat cycle, paints it red, and makes it his own. Uh, so he can add theft to his uh, line of what he's done wrong lately. 
Well, I don't know that this is theft because <laughs> Alfred did say if there's anything in there you yes, want, just take it. Batman would want you to have it. Um, but it is interesting that, and you know, as I was reading it, I had to laugh because, as you say, he gets another motorcycle. What happened to the first motorcycle? Mm. And how much money? And does he when have to throw around? Did he get the motorcycle the first time? Did he, you know, did he get the bat cycle first? Did he where? In what order <laughs> are these happening? And 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 uh, where why is he talking have- them? Two, yeah, two uh, <laughs> motorcycles that he's driving around. I, I don't know. But uh, I don't think we find out that Gordon's in the suit in this particular book. We already knew that mm. from some other stuff we read. But from what I remember, I don't think they ever say it. He just says later that it wasn't Bruce. He knows yeah. it wasn't Bruce in the suit. Uh, he doesn't say who, though, it was. You would think he'd be able to. Well, I guess not. He doesn't have the X-ray vision anymore. So, But he just knows by the way he acted that it wasn't Bruce. So then he goes and tries to hunt Bruce down, and and, uh, and that's what happens from there. Gets Ooh. the motorcycle and drives around on it again, and now he's got two motorcycles. But the cool thing about this motorcycle is, is it seems to have some sort of rockets on it, which is good. <laughs> yeah, you can never have enough rockets on your motorbike. Uh, that's right. Uh, all right, let's move forward to Superman Wonder Woman number 18. And in this one, um, Superman and Wonder Woman, uh, well, he gets a call from Lana Lang. Uh, first, we see that Wonder Woman's sticking by him, powerless, powers, whatever. Regardless, she loves him. She's sticking by him. She's going to help him out. He gets a late-night call, early morning call from Lana Lang. Uh, sounds very desperate. Uh, Wonder Woman flies him to, to Smallville. And pretty much anything to do with the Kents... Any history to do with the Kents has been removed by someone. We think some shady government agency, even the Kents' graves and things like that, the houses, the barn, everything has been uprooted, moved, removed, taken away. Lana is missing. Steele's missing. What is going on? It's strange because, you know, before the Smallville TV series came on, Smallville was just kind of this quiet area where he grew up with the Kents and nothing really happened there. Now I'll hear, I already hear fans yelling at me, but you're forgetting that there was a whole period of time where he was Superboy and he flew around doing things in Smallville. Okay, but that's not, that's not normal canon anymore. Now we're at a point where he grew up as a boy and never donned the Superman suit until later. But then we have the alternate universes where he was Superboy and where he was with the Legion and then things of that nature. But Smallville was never really a, an area where all these horrible things happened. And we've had the Horrorville thing, and we've had the Doomsday thing, and now we have this going on where it seems like Smallville is a very heavy area of strange happenings all of a sudden. And now it makes sense because everyone knows that Superman was Clark Kent, so whoever this uh, disappearer of Smallville items is, whatever government agency is investigating him, would probably do that because now that they know that he was from there and they know where he lived... I don't know about disappearing a whole house, but, uh, uh, you know, it reminds me of a character on Family Guy, uh, their maid, who, when they were gone for a while, came and stole their whole house. No, 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 they're coming back. Uh, I take. And she just picked it up and (laughs) drug it off screen. Uh, But uh, I, I found myself wondering, and I don't read Wonder Woman books, and I don't read the Batman books. I did read the the sneak peek that had the three of them in it or whatever. Why did Wonder Woman's costume change? Probably not important. We all have different changes of clothes. Maybe she just has a different look she wears once in a while. And why uh, is there this bat robot? And do I have to read Batman books or Wonder Woman books to find out? I probably do. 
Probably do, yeah. Uh, there were those free sneak peeks, as you said, um, that kind of set up what's happening or give you an insight into what's happening. I didn't read most of them. I read, I read some of them, but not ones like the Batman or Wonder Woman one, so I don't understand or have a knowledge of why their characters have changed, where Bruce Wayne's gone, why Gordon's in the bat, that weird bat suit, uh, what Wonder Woman's clothing change means or you know what her status quo is now. But um, I guess the important things that we need to know will hopefully be uh, told to us in the story as things move along. Um, in this one, it wasn't really that important whether Wonder Woman's look had changed or if anything you know, had changed in the way uh, you know, she's perceived because in this, it's still the same Wonder Woman that we know of from the Superman Wonder Woman books as far as their relationship and her helping him out. And, um, and the but children. just suddenly has a different look. Yeah. Which um, I like. I actually like the way it looks. And, you know, as far as changing uniforms and things, if there's one thing that might be able to be said, many fans want to see less of Superman in a T-shirt and more of his uniform. And for me, I can't see enough of Wonder Woman in only Superman's T-shirt. That I like. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's go into Justice League number 41. And this is the beginning of the Dark Side War. Uh, what did you make of uh, of this story, it seems like a really epic story, and Jeff Johns seems to be uh, on fire once again. Well, you know, I've always said that I've enjoyed the Justice League book for its art and for its story scope, and probably that's what it should be. It's Justice League. It's all the characters. It's big. It's worldly. Um, it's universe spanning. There's a lot of big stuff going on. Um, I don't know much about Mr. Miracle. I uh, I know that he's part of the New God, which is. Uh, connected to dark side so it's probably pretty important i personally like to see more superman in my justice league stories this was a mr miracle story it was told from his point of view and then we also had the occurrences of wonder woman what wonder woman telling part of the story as well and we see the furtherance of that story of the child of the gods that was born and and uh her mother who killed the other uh you know Wonder Woman people, <laughs> Themyscarians, and then said her baby will be born, and, and now apparently uh, this is her growing up, uh, doing things for Darkseid and, and going around and fighting members of the League. So uh, it's kind of neat. It almost looks like it has big, I mean, it has definitely has big ramifications, but it, it seemed to me that maybe Flash was dead or Shazam was dead. Uh, and I was also wondering why all the heroes were kind of going, who is this woman? Well, you got any information on gray-skinned women? While Shazam was being stabbed through the back and while other characters were being killed, they were just kind of hanging out. She went and said, I got to attack Batman first because uh, he could be dangerous to me if I leave him up. But then while she was fighting a human with no superpowers, all of the other heroes with superpowers were there but didn't help seem weird so i'm not sure um uh, it's definitely interesting i like dark side i always think of dark side as a superman enemy even though he he tends to need the whole league to to deal with but i like that dark side's involved again i like that they've brought him back and i like this whole story where scott uh, mr miracle was traded for one of Darkseid's sons to keep the peace. And, of course, Darkseid would never keep his end of a bargain like that. So it didn't matter that they traded sons. But while Mr. Miracle was 
you know, before he became Mr. Miracle, he was just this kid and he was scared and he was down and he was sent down into the fire pits of Apocalypse, but somehow survived. And now he knows that he needs to enlist the help of the Justice League in order to uh, repel Darkseid and his minions from starting a war or taking over the Earth or destroying the universe or whatever it is he's going to do next. So it definitely has a story of great scope. I love the stuff with... Uh, Superman and Lex Luthor and of course we see uh, Lena Luthor uh, also say for Darkseid as she shoots her brother Lex whom we've seen previously she has reason to kind of be annoyed with but uh, I don't think we necessarily foresaw that she would uh, try to shoot him to death yeah an interesting relationship there between the two of them Uh, so uh, a lot to look forward to in in that story uh we'll wait and see where that uh where that goes from there and now we move into what these these new number ones there's a whole series of new number one issues that have been released by dc comics uh for june um not all of them if any of the ones that we're about to speak about are actually connected to continuity if you think of continuity being the main superman titles uh, we have a new Justice League of America or JLA book that has Superman in his regular costume, well, not his regular costume, in his New 52 costume, uh, which has been destroyed in the main books, and now he no longer has it. He's got his powers in JLA number one. He's, it's, it, I'm guessing this JLA number one book and this Justice League of America book in total is not an in-continuity book. It's a, well, here's some stories we want to tell you about the Justice League, and, um, you know, it's all about story, as DC Comics says. Story trumps continuity now. So we're just gonna, we've got a great story. Brian Hitch has got a great story he wants to tell you about the Justice League. Here it is. Read it. Don't worry about how it fits in or where it fits in. Just enjoy it for what it is. And if you do take that mentality, this was a really good book. <laughs> it was just funny the way you said that. Um, I've only read about uh, four pages of it. Okay. Uh, but I like the lead-in. I like where it seems to be going. I like the idea of having another Justice League book. It is, again, a little confusing, a little frustrating as to where it fits in, but apparently doesn't fit in at all. And it's just, you know, a few years ago we had the regular ju- mainstream Justice League book, but then we also had, like, Justice League Classified or whatever, mm-hmm. which were just more stories about the Justice League that didn't have any have a necessary tie to what was going on at the current time. So I think that that's what we've got going on here. Now, for Superman fans, JLA number one is a very Superman-centric story. It's Superman um, being called to this um, place that he hasn't, he's never heard of before. Batman has never even heard of it. Uh, you'll find out. Um, he's invited to go there, and the young man and woman who are there who meet him uh, have this super-secret... Um, thing that's happening there's this portal if you like where versions of uh, superman's body keeps coming into and and they're usually dead superman's body over and over again is teleported into this facility and he's dead and on the time that superman arrives the one body that comes through is actually alive for a couple of seconds and says gives a message to superman and then dies and Superman is obviously confused, has no idea what's going on, why he's angry, why are future or uh, alternate versions of himself being teleported into this room, into this building, dead, 
over and over and over again. Who's behind it? How are these people who've invited him to, uh, to uh, you know, find out about this uh, event uh, are connected to it? What do they know about it? It's really intriguing and it just seems like a real fascinating story that is set up in this first issue. I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. Awesome. I like a Superman-centric story, and I like uh, I like what our writer had to say. I like that he has these ideas in mind for big arcs for each of the, the big seven of the Justice League. Even if I'm not looking to read stories about every hero, you know, in the Justice League book, I think it's kind of cool if each hero gets his spotlight, and I like the idea that Superman is the one that gets the first, so... Mm. Very good for me. Yeah, so that's JLA or Justice League of America number one. Um, I also want to make mention, uh, I've complained about this both here in this podcast and on Radio KL Live, our Monday night live show, about the fact that these alternate covers, these variant covers that they're always showing off um, and that are available to, you know, in in variant uh, print editions, have not been included in the digital versions. And I don't know if DC Comics have been listening to me or if it's just something that they've put in place now that the June, this, this kind of this soft relaunch of the DC Universe has taken place. But all the variant issues are now available uh, when you purchase your digital versions of the comic books. Um, you get uh, the, the main cover at the front, the first page. You, you press the, the screen. And you usually get an advertisement. And then you press it again and you get the variant cover. And in this case, with JLA number one, you get nine variant covers because there's the well nine covers you get the, the the main cover you get the variant joker cover and then you get all seven of the individual covers that make up a fold-out panel when you buy a, buy a print edition that has all seven panels available but i think that's fantastic that they've finally included the artwork for these variant covers in the digital versions because it doesn't cost them anymore yeah, I think that they should have always been there, and it's good that they've come around. And of course, they listen to you. I mean, who doesn't listen to you? You've got an idea; they're gonna they're gonna implement it. I can't see any reason why they wouldn't. What I found interesting about the main cover of this was that doesn't it seem very much like the main cover to uh, Justice League One of the, the New Fifty Two? Uh, almost their poses are almost the same. Uh, where they're at are almost the same. I, I think it might be the same exact cover, just drawn by a different person. Interesting. I hadn't thought of that or, or recognised that, so I'll have to, I'll have to compare those. Uh, but uh, nice. That that's, I guess, a tribute. I guess in, in to that original first Justice League comic book. Uh, that sounds like an intriguing idea. But uh, I'll have to compare those. Let us know what you think out there. Uh, is this a tribute or a um, reproduction of that cover, or is it just Scotty's imagination? Yeah, probably just my imagination. <laughs> All right. The other number one issue that I wanted to mention is Bizarro number one. And this is definitely an out-of-continuity book. It has nothing to do with the main Superman titles in other than the fact that this is about Bizarro. It's very comical. It's humorous. It's uh, satirical. It's, it's all those kinds of things. It's a romp. It's, it's silly. It's uh, ridiculous in a lot of ways. Um, but Bizarro lends himself to that kind of a story. And uh, this is kind of, I guess, in the vein of what was that book not that long ago uh, where there was, you know, each story had a different comet coming to Earth where Superman, you know, had had big feet in these stories, the way they were drawn. And uh, I'm just blanking on the way that they were, what the title was at the time, but it was... uh, 
it was a very comical comic strip kind of version of of, of storytelling uh, that was aimed at kids. Um, and this is along the same lines. It's just ridiculous kind of storytelling. Now, you love these, I think. Um, I know you have said before you like comical stories. The, the last Bizarro story they did, which was in uh, Superman, I think, it was just mm-hmm. one that it was kind of it interrupted a story that was going on because they weren't ready for it, so they did an action. They did a Bizarro story, and then they went back to the story that they were in the middle of the next month or whatever and you you like them a lot i've always kind of liked the idea of a bizarro character but i don't like the goofy take that they do on them i like uh the like bizarro from the forever evil arc where where luthor created him and where he was like a son to luthor because he thought he was his dad and it was very kind of a serious thing he's more like a i don't know uh I want to say zombie, but but more like a dangerous version of Superman who who uh, lacks lacks the intelligence of Superman, but is still dangerous, but uh, not goofy. Uh, but I've never, you know, I've kind of made it uh, pretty pretty obvious that I don't, you know, pretty evident. I say it enough that goofy isn't really my thing. Uh, but uh, what did you think of the story as far as uh, an enjoyment standpoint? Um, I, I do like the, the kind of the standalone funny stories that you know just kind of lend themselves to a bit of a laugh and don't take themselves too seriously every now and then. I wouldn't like it to be the mainstream of how comic books were told. I still like the serious stuff. Uh, and just to kind of just to go off uh, tangent a little bit, the, the comic books I was thinking about were by um, uh, Art Baltazar and, and Franco. Were called Superman Family Adventures and were very childlike in their storytelling. And Bizarro is along those kind of lines, although it's more absurd. Uh, it's um, the idea of Jimmy Olsen taking Bizarro on a road trip because he thinks he's going to get a coffee book deal out of this is just ridiculous. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it, it's so farcical that it's, it's funny. It's probably um, a little bit too tongue-in-cheek, and some of the stuff is a little bit far-fetched, and you think uh, you, there's a lot of eye-rolling moments in there, but... Um, it's only six issues, so just go for it. All right, very good. All right, the other number one that came out this week is, oh, sorry, this month is Doomed Number One, and this is about a young man named Rysa. I don't even know his first name. Who uh, is uh, starts as an intern at Star Labs in Metropolis. He's really excited. He's uh, you know, he's kind of a, he's, he's a nice guy. You kind of like him. He's a bit of a doofus. He's a bit of a, um, he's not the most, I, mean, I don't know how he got a job at in, uh, as an intern <laughs> at Star Labs because he doesn't seem like the brightest spark as from, you know, um, a technical standpoint, I guess. But he's a nice guy. He's taking care of his auntie who's, you know, has got, I must have a bit of Alzheimer's or whatever because she's losing it a little bit, even though she was at one point a CEO of a big company and, and was once an important woman. Uh, now she's obviously losing it a little bit, and so he's taking care of her by buying her um, groceries. He makes out that he bought too many for himself, so he's dropping off some to her where he's really taking care of her because she forgets to do her own shopping. And, uh, and then he meets... Uh, he actually lives in the same apartment building as Clark Kent. Um, him and his mates... Uh, uh, interviewed a lot of different um, uh, people for the uh, to be a roommate or to be a, a tenant in the building, and um, there was a whole is a, a real funny segment of all the different types of people that they interviewed and how crazy some of them were or how poor uh, choices some of them were. One of them was a, a young woman that he had a bit of a crush on. Uh, she didn't get 
chosen. And Clark Kent obviously did end up being chosen. But he runs into this girl again, and uh, there's a bit of a you know, fling there. And uh, uh, but while he's working at Star Labs, he gets obviously he gets a sh- crappy job of having to do a, you know a clean up job and gets in, we uh, assume gets infected by um, what we can only imagine will be the Doomsday virus or, or something along those lines, and ends up becoming this this creature. And he doesn't know how or why. He doesn't remember what happened to him, but. Uh, the story is about the flashback of him remembering, you know, how all the, the events that led up to him being infected by this. And uh, as a setup, uh, it's it's a good piece. There's not a lot of action in it. Uh, there's a lot of it's a it's a character piece, giving you his backstory, uh, introducing the players, the main players in the story. And for that, it's 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 pretty good for what it is. It's not really a Superman book as such, other than Clark Kent making a very brief appearance. Um, it's going to tie in, obviously, somehow with being called doomed that this kid's been infected by something that's, you know, been uh, uh, explored or, or you know, um, uh, studied at Star Labs uh, to do with the Doomsday Virus. How that's going to play into it, whether Superman plays into it, how long this is going to go for, I don't know. But being that it's a Superman book as such, um, it was something that I wanted to read and I'll probably continue on just to see where it goes. Is this another six issue limited or not that I've heard of? I know with the Bizarro one that that was kind of explained out, out up front. I haven't heard too much about Doomed or where it's going or how long it's going to run for. Um, but at this stage, I'm guessing it's an ongoing. It sounds a little bit like, and I read the uh, sneak peek. I didn't read the number one, but it sounds like another Hulk kind of thing. Yeah, where... kind of a little bit of that feel to it. Um, although okay. he doesn't seem to get it, he's, his transformation isn't from anger. It well, the first time it happens, it's from an arousal. But uh, yeah, I won't go into that here. All right. <laughs> All right. That's uh, the comic books we wanted to talk about uh, this month. Uh, before we do go on to some other topics uh, outside uh, or in the real world as such, um, there's a novel that's been published uh, in recent weeks. And it's a Lois Lane young adult novel called Fallout. Um, I've read it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've, I've always been a, a, a big fan of these young adventure type novels, you know, the Harry Potter series, uh, um, you know, um, Secret Seven, the Famous Five, um, you know, all those kind of the Hardy Boys, that kind of stuff. I've always loved kind of those adventure stories of young adults, young, you know, young kids, teenagers, whatever. Uh, you know, using the, their resources and their adventurous spirit to, you know, right a wrong or fight a villain or whatever it might be. And this Lois Lane novel fits right into that category. If you like that kind of storytelling, you want to read about a young Lois Lane before she's joined the Daily Planet, or actually joining the Daily Planet in this story uh, as, a, as a high school student joining their, you know, what they call the Daily Scoop segment of the Daily Planet, meeting Perry White for the first time, uh, trying to, you know, fight bullying at school but on a cyber level as well and, and just, the, just really getting into the whole Lois Lane thing and what makes her such a popular character. You love Fallout, trust me, it's a really good book. Awesome. Now, does this take place before or after she betrays Clark Kent and tells <laughs> everyone in the world his secret? Well, interestingly, the, the relationship she has with Smallville guy, who's the uh, screen name of a guy that she's been chatting with and who's she's very friendly with online, but whom she's never met, uh, which is obviously we know Clark Kent, 
it sounds cheesy the way it's described, but it really fits so well into the book. The relationship between them, even though it's not a you know a face-to-face relationship, is really well played out. He's such an integral part of the story, um, and it, it just it, it just bodes really well for the future of more Lois Lane novels. Uh, the way this uh, it reads, and I really hope that there are more in a series because it will uh, really, um, you know, for young readers or people who like that kind of storytelling, it really is a, a great book to read. Awesome. I guess I'll have to look at it. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, look what else happened around the world of Superman this past month, and I can't go any further without talking about the 2015 Superman celebration, which took place in Metropolis, Illinois, uh, in June. It uh, it's it's a great event. You and I have been there. We were there at the same time a couple of years back um, and enjoyed our time there. It's always some great people there. there. It seems to get bigger and better every year as far as celebrities they bring, um, the events that they hold, uh, the people that you meet. You, that you just really make some, some great friends there. And I was sad that we couldn't get there again this, this year, but it um, sounds like everyone had a fantastic time. Oh, it was uh, fantastic when we did go, and uh, I hope to get back there again at some point, and and hopefully it'll be a time when uh, many of our friends are there, and and hopefully you're there again, and we can be there again together, and uh, it's it's, it's, if you love Superman, and you love uh, meeting up with other fans, and and, and seeing people in costumes, and uh, seeing some of the celebrities from the comic book world, it's just a great event. Yeah, and the Superman homepage meet and greet uh, is... uh a thing that we've been doing annually for a number of years now, the Superman celebration. It's getting better, bigger and better every year. It was just you know, a group of us meeting at a park bench near the Superman statue in the first year, and then it got to the stage where it just grew and grew, and now we get up to about 100 people attending uh, the meet and greet. We now do it in the Hardy's restaurant there, not far from the Superman statue in the comfort of the air conditioning there, and uh, Thankfully, you know, they give us the space that, that we're allowed to use. Uh, we must thank Antoine, the manager, who gives us that space every year. And I want to give a big shout-out to Jamie and Rhonda Kelly, who are our Clark Kent and Lois Lane team, uh, that hosted, it again, the meet-and-greet for us this year. And Ken Sills, who uh, did the video, live-stream video for uh, a lot of the events that happened in Metropolis, the uh, Superman celebration this year, who uh, did a video of the meet-and-greet for us. Sadly, I was very disappointed to find out that Warner Brothers uh, failed to send us the box of DVDs and Blu-rays that we give away as prizes and have been doing for a number of years now. The box, uh, that the carton that they were sending uh, didn't, didn't get sent or got misplaced, or so the delivery never happened, and so prizes were very slim this year, and I apologise to everyone who turned up hoping to to win some great prizes this year. I have been assured by my contact at Warner Brothers that they will make it up to us next year. I know that doesn't mean much for the people who attended this year, but uh, sadly it was out of my control. Great event anyway, so uh, thank you to everyone who did turn up uh, to the Superman homepage meet and greet, and hopefully next year's will be bigger and better. All right, let's move into the big question segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what did you think about the extended trailer for the Supergirl pilot episode, and what did you like best? Donovan Hunter wrote in, I thought it looked really good. I think it has potential. I think Melissa Benoist looks great in the suit. I'm looking forward to watching it. I just hope people give it a chance. Can't wait for November. Wish it premiered sooner. P.S. I thought the Dawn of Justice teaser was awesome. 
Thanks again, Steve and Scotty, and keep looking up in the sky. Well, good news, Donovan. It does premiere sooner, October 26th. You don't have to wait till November, my friend. It's going to be on October 26th. Yes, there you go. All of a couple of days earlier than you expected. Uh, George Amaru wrote in, and George says... Overall, I thought the trailer was very good. It's nice to see a superhero that actually enjoys being a superhero and embrace it. There were some sillier elements in the definite Devil Wears Prada vibe to pieces of it. However, Kara is trying to be a normal person, so she could very well have crummy job, have a crummy job, and perhaps the producers thought this setup would appeal to female fans and general audience members. I'm looking forward to the premiere this fall. Thanks, George. Nick. Yes, thank you. Nick Nicholson wrote in, Hi, Stephen Scott. Absolutely loved the trailer. I thought it was really fun return to the world of Superman-based properties on TV. It had cheesy moments and the odd groan-inducing line, but overall I'm excited to see how it plays out. I also thought the pilot episode on... I also saw the pilot episode online as well, and I enjoyed it. My favorite part, aside from Melissa Benoist hotness is that we're straight in with the character of Supergirl from episode one. No 10 years to wait this time. Yeah, good point. Uh, I like that part of it too, Nick, that we jump straight into Supergirl in episode one. So uh, a great setup from the very beginning. Anne Why, uh, which I guess is my niece, Anne, who uh, says, Hi, Uncle Steve and Scotty. Personally, I love the Supergirl trailer and I particularly loved how lighthearted it seems. Another great thing about it is it started a conversation about all things DC between me and my and some of my friends, which is different considering we are in, uh, we are at an all girls high school. I think the Supergirl TV series will open the wider DCU out to a completely new audience. Keep up the good work with your podcast and the Superman homepage in general. Thanks, Anne. Awesome. I hope she's right. I like the idea that more girls and young kids in general or, or younger people are getting into superheroes and yeah. and dc obviously is our thing so let's see more of that uh luke lizalde sent in an audio response so let's listen in on what he had to say i really like the trailer it's a lot of fun uh it reminds me of the flash over on the cw and why wouldn't it because it's the same people making it so i am enjoying arrow flash so i'm definitely tuning in for this so looking forward to it and you know, I was also thinking that this trailer could have been horrible, but uh, I still would have watched it. I, I want to support uh, all comic-related stuff, uh, especially the Superman universe, more Superman stuff. So I'm definitely going to be tuning in, and it was just a blast to, to watch the trailer. Thank you, Luke. Uh, great to get an audio response after all this time. So thank you for sending that in and for your thoughts on the Supergirl trailer. All right, Scott, what is our new big question for this month? Next big question is, did you attend the Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois? And if so, what did you like best about it? If you didn't, why not? Yes, let us know what your thoughts are on the Superman celebration. If you attended, what was the best thing about it? And if you didn't attend, as Scotty just said, let us know why. What, what's getting in the way of you getting to the Superman celebration? Is it a matter of distance or costs, which probably are both uh, answers for me? Or is it just something that it just doesn't cross... Your, uh, your calendar as far as something that you can get to or you know, you're not sure if it's something you might enjoy. Uh, let us know what your reasoning is behind not attending 
and uh, we will love to read out your answers here on the Superman homepage, Radio KAL Podcast. So get involved with the big question. Click on the big question button to send your answer in, or you can uh, record an audio response, as Luke did this month, and we will play it here on our next episode of Radio KAL. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! Steve has hunted down another great comedy sketch this month. The sketch is from Superheroes Comedy, titled Tax Season. Yeah, uh, the end of June in Australia here is uh, the end of the financial year. And so uh, it seems like it's good timing to have this sketch about Superman and his problems around the tax time. Good to meet you, Mr. Kance. Hi, call me oh. Clark. Oh, firm handshake there, Clark. All right, well, let's get down to business. Taxes. Let's talk taxes. Exciting stuff. All right, well, let's get things rolling. Uh, let's start with uh, property tax. I don't really know what those are. What kind of place is it that you own? It's a fort. It's a cabin. It's a big cabin. Uh, my father left it to me in a way. Okay, so in inherited property. Uh, and where is this located? It's it's off the grid. Non-tax hidden estate. Okay, I want to pretend that I didn't hear a lot of that. Uh, what do you do for transportation? Yes. Did you just say yes? Yes. Do you own a car? No. A bus pass? No. Do you just walk everywhere? If that makes sense. Uh-huh. So on the phone earlier you mentioned you took a recent business trip to Gotham. I was writing a piece on Bruce Wayne for the Daily Planet. I work for the Daily Planet. With Lois Lane? I'm friends with Jimmy. Uh, okay, that's irrelevant. I have no idea who literally any of those people are. So, going back to this business trip to Gotham, though, you didn't take a rental car there. Did you take a bus? Did you take a plane? No. No, so you just went there and have no further information. Exactly. So you're saying you walked what was likely a several-day walk to Gotham City for an interview with Bruce Wayne, and then walked that same several-day walk back. If that makes sense, yes. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. But moving past that, uh, the one thing that does make sense and is really good, you, you put $60,000 in your savings alone last year. That was, that's fantastic. Absolutely. The, uh, the Daily Planet pays me $90,000 a year because I have a job there and I work for them. Okay, yeah, I feel like we're getting real hung up on the I have a job thing. Uh, that other $30,000, how was that spent? Suits. Suits and? Just suits. I leave them in phone booths a lot for no particular reason. Um, damn this thing, I can never figure out why I leave them there. Um, anyways, the other 60000 goes right into savings. Um, I don't even have a checking account, can you believe that? Uh, no, I absolutely, sincerely cannot. Uh, what about what about daily expenses? Uh, looking at utilities, heating, household items. Um, my place is very cold, but mostly self-sufficient. It's uh, in international waters, I suppose, so there's no real utilities per se. But what do you live on? How do you sustain yourself? The sun's rays. Yeah, yeah, you're Superman. What? Where? 
My friend Jimmy really loves that guy. You missed a button, Superman. I work for the Daily Planet. Look, it's okay. I just want to pay my taxes like I'm supposed to. I'm a hero, right? Heroes pay taxes. But I tried to do myself, and, and there's all these little boxes, and what do they mean? Do, I'm a landed resident? Am I a foreign immigrant? I don't know. And then there's Superboy. Is a clone a dependent? Is he me? Uh, do we feel together? And then, what does it all mean? What is the meaning of life? Okay, okay, it's, it's okay, it's okay. Calm down. Everything's gonna be okay. You're doing the right thing here. You're still a hero. We're gonna file your taxes. Everything's gonna be okay, Superman. Thank you. You're right, you're right. I'm a hero, right? Thank you. It's no problem, really. This is my job. But between us, I gotta ask a question. Why do you even have a job? I just want to pull my weight at the watchtower. I'm sick of Bruce bragging about paying for that thing. Bruce. Wayne. Wait a minute, is Bruce Wayne Batman? I told you to let me do your taxes. I thought I could do it. And what have we learned? I can't do it. That you can't do it, exactly. And how are we going to fix this? I'll fly around the Earth, reversing the rotation so we can turn back time. Good. And then I'll do it. Then I'll do my taxes. I'll get it right this time. You just wait and see, Bruce. Well, there you have it. Uh, it seems very confused there, our poor Mr. Kent, about yeah. uh, what he can and can't declare for his taxes. <laughs> Even Superman has to worry about the government, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's move into our next segment. Only one thing alive less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Last month's secret, super secret soundbite was taken from the 1984 Supergirl movie. Let us hear that sound once again. Yep, that was the sound, and uh, we had nine people guess that it came from the Supergirl movie. Who were they, Scott? We had Jeremy Crawford, Donovan Hunter, David Huang, Fred Walsh, George Amaro, Nick Nicholson, Luke, Christopher Miran, and Paul Mann. Great well job, done. everybody. Yes, well done to those nine people for guessing that it came from the Supergirl movie. Let's see if you and more people can guess where in the world of Superman this, this new super secret soundbite comes from. Acknowledged. On my way. Sorry. Super boy. Duty calls. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage to send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. Now it's time for our Superman song. It's called Superman Blues. It's by the Kentucky Headhunters from their 2015 album, Meet Me in Bluesland. Thanks to the band for allowing us to play the song here on Radio KAL. Yeah, you can check out the uh, official website for Kentucky Headhunters. Their website is KentuckyHeadhunters.net. And once again, thanks to the guys for allowing us to play their new song, Superman Blues.
that was the song and that is our show a bit of a country theme to the end of our show with that song um and you know i could just see scotty there with his boot scooting dance going on there it's just it, 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 lucky it's a radio show is all i can say i even had on my chaps <laughs> great visual image there for everybody listening absolutely that's All right. right. Well, that is our show for this month. Uh, remember, if there is a topic that you'd like us to discuss, if there's a big question you'd like us to put to the fans, maybe there's a comedy sketch you think we should be playing here on the show or a song you'd like to request, all those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage. Or if you'd prefer to send an email, my email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com. We can email Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will endeavour to use your suggestions in a future podcast. But for this month, that is it for this Radio KAL episode. Thank you, Scotty, for your input. Thank you, Steve, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and our proud sponsor, Patrick O'Neill. <laughs>